0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. This morning we are going to be in Judges chapter 3, looking at verses 1 through 11. And I'm new reading out of the New King James, and it goes like this. Now these are the nations... Which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not known, had not formally known it. Verse three, namely, the five lords, the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites, who dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal, Hermon, to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and they took their daughters to be their wives, and they gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. Verse 7. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs, false gods. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan rishathaim king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan rishathaim eight years. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel, who delivered them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan, Rishatham, king of Mesopotamia. And his hand, at his hand. And his hand prevailed over the Cushan, Rishatham. So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So You know, the Bible is many different stories, right? Like this is a story we just read. And the story is real. There are many different stories in the Bible, but there's only one true story. All these these stories in the Old Testament, in the New, points to one person, Jesus. When we read the Bible, we always have to think in our mind and hearts, where is this going to point us to Jesus? Because ultimately, that is the only story this world needs. When we read the Bible, it will always point us to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And we're going to find that out this morning as we go over these scriptures. If you would, turn to John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. And Jesus, you know, the Pharisees, They were the religious leader of that day, and they were wanting to go after Jesus and trap him. And Jesus is having a dialogue with them about things of the kingdom, right? And this is what Jesus, because they kept the law. They were, you know, so-called perfect people, kept the law. They didn't sin. The sin was in their hearts, but they did not sit outside physically. They looked like they belonged to God, but they really weren't. Right. And Jesus is having a dialogue with them. And this is what Jesus tells them. Because they knew the scriptures. They knew about what we're going to talk about this morning. They knew it. And Jesus says this to them. You search you, you guys, you religious leaders, you guys that know it all, that know the law, you know, know everything about the Bible. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life. Right. Jesus is dropping a bomb on them. And he says, it is they that bear witness about me. But yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. The Pharisees have missed the point. They knew the scriptures, They knew about Moses. They knew about the commandments. They knew about the prophets. They knew all these things, but they missed the point. And Jesus telling them. You know, all those things you've been reading, all those things you've been following. I'm here. It's about me. It's not about you keeping your rules, your regulations. It's not about you looking good outside. It's about me. Me. Jesus. So keep that in mind as we go through the scriptures here. So what I want to do as far as the introductions is go through a timeline before we actually get into the scripture. Because I want to paint a picture of what's going on in this time right here. As far as that, we're going to go way back. I'm going to go Genesis on until we actually get to the book of Judges. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judges, right? So let's look at that. And I'm going to highlight some points on this. So Genesis, let's let's look at it and better understand what's going on during this time in Judges. So the book of Genesis starts with the creation of the world, describing how God brought everything into existence, right? It tells the story of Eve, the first fall, how they sinned, the first human beings, and their fall from grace. The book also recounts the account of Noah and the great flood. Remember that? God said, this world has become so wicked, I'm going to destroy everything in it. I'm going to destroy everything in it. But there was a righteous man, Noah. And God says, you know what? I'm going to clean this world with the flood, but I'm going to save you, Noah, because God has a plan. Right? God has a plan. And so the great flood happened, and Noah and his family were chosen to survive and repopulate the earth. And so... It goes on and tells about Abraham, who God chose to be the father of a great nation. and gives Abraham the promise. It details how Abraham's journey, the covenant of God, the covenant he made with God, God made with Abraham and the promise of the land and his descendants. Remember Abraham? God chose Abraham out of the many, many people in this land to follow him because people were starting to get wicked again, just like in the days of Noah. Just like in our day, we see it in our culture. Okay, Exodus. Exodus picks up the story with the Israelites in Egypt. Right? If you all seen the movie The Ten Commandments, where they had become slaves. Egypt became so numerous in number that the Pharaoh was afraid that these people were gonna these people were gonna take over Egypt. So, um, and they had become they had become the slaves of Egypt. God raised up Moses. Remember, we see Moses. Moses to lead them out of bondage. Moses confronts Pharaoh, and after a series of the ten plagues, the Israelites are finally allowed to leave. And we know that, and we see that, and we experience that in our lives today. So Israel escaped through the parting of the Red Sea, which is, just blows my mind even, even today after watching the movie. And, and they begin their journey to the Promised Land. At Mount Sinai, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. And he establishes a covenant with the people, outlining the laws and regulations for their worship and daily life. So God is, God is orchestrated throughout history what he wants to accomplish to bring his son Jesus into the world. Then we move on to Leviticus. Leviticus focuses on the religious practices and rituals of the Israelite people. It provides detailed instructions for sacrifices, purification rituals, and laws concerning cleanliness and holiness. Um, Leviticus emphasizes the importance of following God's law and living in a way that sets Israel apart from every other nation around them. Because during this time, evilness was rampant, as we're going to see once we get to Judges. And then we go to the book of Numbers. The Israelites are counted and organized into tribes, as they journey through the wilderness, the book numbers includes various laws and regulations as well as accounts of the people's struggles in rebellious ways. It highlights both the consequences of disobedience and the fullness and the faithfulness of God, guiding them and providing for them. Even in Israel's complaining, God is still pursuing them. He didn't wipe them out. He's still pursuing them. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a series of speeches. This is getting towards the end of Moses' life, given by Moses before the Israelites enter into the promised land. He reminds Israel. He reminds them of their of their history and the covenant made with God. Right. Moses reiterates God's laws and commands, commands the people to remain faithful Faithful to God, warning them of the consequences of disobedience. This is the end of Moses' life. He's telling them this because Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land. So the book also includes blessings and curses that upon the Israel that will come upon Israel as they uh, go into the promised land. Then we get to Joshua. Joshua takes over as the leader of the Israelites after Moses' death. So Joshua leads them in the conquest of the promised land. Now, this is the promised land they're entering in. Moses has passed away. Joshua is the new leader. All the generation that were wandering in the wilderness for 40 plus years, they have passed away. Now their kids are raised up and Joshua is bringing them into the promised land, right? Joshua takes over as the leader of the Israelites after Moses' death. He leads them in the conquest of the promised land, beginning with the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River. And these are stories that are actually taught in Sunday school. But when you really get into the judges, it's some wicked times. It's not like, you know, a Bible story, the Bible, the Sunday school version that we tell the kids, they're, they're sugarcoated for, for what really happened during this time, right? And if you actually go back, I like history, and I like to know what the background of stuff. If you just go back and just really dig into those first five books and really get the the theme of what God is doing through these people, these sinners, to bring his son about, it is amazing. So the book of Joshua records the accounts of the battles and the victories of the Israelites as they conquer various cities and territories. It describes the fall of Jericho where the walls crumble after the Israelites march around the city for seven, seven days. The land is divided among the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the, the land, the promised land is being divided by Joshua to the tribes of Israel at this time. And uh, Joshua encourages the people to remain faithful to God and his laws. That's a brief history of what happened. Now we're getting into, Josh, into Judges. So these books collectively provide a written account of connected events of the early history of humanity. The formation of the Israelite nation, their journey from slavery to the promised land. They give us themes such as God's covenant with his people. Right. God chose these people out of many, many different nations, many, many different nations during this time for Abraham to bring about his son, Jesus. They give us themes as God's covenant with his people, the the importance of obedience to God. It's very important for us as believers, as God's people, to be obedient to him. That's one thing that we just struggle with, right? I don't know about you, but I struggle being obedient to God. And that's why he gifted us the Holy Spirit, because that's God's power for us to overcome those things. And so these, uh, so the promised land, okay? Now we get into judges. I'll just make sure we got time. Oh, we got plenty of time. Okay. Are y'all with me still? Did I lose anybody? We walk through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. That's just a small summary of what God is doing. God is working in his to bring his son. And he chose these people. They were no better than you and I. They were sinners, prideful. They disobeyed. They chased after other gods. So you have hope. We have hope. God is good. Some key verses, verses in Judges is, let's look at this. Judges 2, 16, 19. Verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen. Israel would not listen to their judges. But they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. Now, this is the new generation. They have turned against what has been taught to them. Moses taught them, hey, be obedient to God, follow his commands, and you'll have these blessings. But they chose not to do that. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. In obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. Verse 19 And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, nor from their stubborn ways. Unbelievable. As we look through the history of Israel, (laughs) these guys taught to follow the Lord, and yet they came into the promised land, they chose to follow themselves and to follow after other gods, false gods, right? Okay, let's go to Judges 10, 15. I want to make a point about God choosing these judges. Okay. You there? All right, 10, 15. It says this. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned Do to us whatever seems best to you. And then, he's, and then they say this. Only God, please deliver us this day, we pray. Judges 21-25. Last one before we get into our study here. This is the end of Judges. And look, look what is being penned here. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It says this. In those days, in these times... There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Ain't that amazing? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Your heart, my heart, we go after other things. Leave it to us without the Spirit's power. We chase those things. I have idols. You have idols. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit that we can overcome those things. Okay, so the book of Judges tells us a sad story about how the Israelites kept forgetting about God, right? And worshiping these false gods. They chased after other gods. As a result, they faced many problems and were conquered by other nations. We're going to see that. But whenever they realized their mistake and asked God for help, he sent judges to save them and guide them back to the right path. That's what God does in your life, in my life. When we stray, he, the Holy Spirit, that's in us now, much more than a judge, leads us back to the right path we're supposed to go. So these judges were chosen by God and had the job of being both leaders and judges, right? They were given special powers by God's Spirit to rescue the Israelites from their enemies and bring, bring uh, justice to the land, the oppression, So the book Judges shows us a pattern in the Israelites behavior. They would worship false gods, which God, which made God angry. So God would allow their enemies to conquer Israel and make them suffer. But when the Israelites cried out for help and turned back to God and repented, he would raise up a judge to save them and bring peace. So this is what's recurring in the book of Judges over and over and over again. I think about seven times this happens. So one of the more famous judge, can someone, we know about judges, but there's a famous judge that everybody usually knows about, right? What's his name? Samson. Samson, Gideon. We think they are great men of God and they're heroes, but they were weak men. When you really read into their lives, they were really weak. That's why God had to bring the power of the Holy Spirit upon them in order for them to have courage to act to free his people. So one of the famous judges in the book, in the book is Samson. He was incredibly strong and used his strength to fight off against the Philistines. If you read his story, it's, it's like watching a movie. Who were oppressing the Israelites? However, Samson had personal weakness weaknesses, and made some bad choices, which eventually led to his capture and his death. But his actions helped free the Israelites from the Philistines. Um, The book of Judges teaches us that it's important to stay faithful to God and not worship or go after other false gods. It also shows us that God is always ready to forgive. And help his people if they come and ask. (laughs) If they simply just, Father, I sinned against you, please help me. That's a prayer we can pray even today. Father, I've sinned against you, please cleanse me. Help me, Father. We're more afraid to go to God for forgiveness than for him forgiving us. He's always, always there. Your guilt and your shame, the things that we do when we sin, those things come from the devil himself, his enemy. They put those thoughts in your head. You're not good enough. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't pray enough. You don't do this enough. You're not whatever. Which is true. That's why Jesus came to free us from that. Okay, now we're going to go into judges. Are you ready? We're going to go by fast and cover these, and I'll give you some points to it. Okay, let's look at Judges chapter 3. Let's read 1 to 6. I'm going to make some points out of this. And now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars of Canaan, right? Remember, God told, told the Israelites when they went into the promised land, I want you to take everybody out, all the nations. I want you to eradicate them. That no one lives. That may be harsh to us, but when you think about the practice that these nations were doing, they were very, very evil. If you read about who they served by Al and Asherah, those were some evil gods. They sacrificed not only animals, but they sacrificed babies it was very evil and that's why God said I want you got to go into the promised land because the promised land's already set up for you and eradicate the people there and we think about it today I'm like man why would God do something like that why would he eradicate everybody there evil is rampant i was cutting my grass this week and the weeds were like this thick I just let it go. I mean, one lap the previous week, it was like, really, I was like, oh, I'm just going to let that go. I'm going to go out there and just chop them up, put on my, it got to the point where the rain, it had rained so much that they, I couldn't use a lawnmower. I couldn't use a weed eater. I had to go out there and physically, I mean, physically, my wife will tell you this. I got one of those things and I physically chopped those down. That's just like sin in our lives. When you just compromise with it, compromise with it, they will grow like weeds, right? It was only, verse 2, it says, it was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations, the five lords, the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal, Hermon, as far as Lebo, Hamath. This is why God left those, or God turned the disobedience of Israel, leaving those, and he turns it for his good. Check this out. So they were there for testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. God allows challenges to test Our hearts. Right. Have you been in a test this week? Have you been in a trial? Have you been in like, what is going on, God? I'm walking with you. I'm trying to serve you. But all these tests are coming my way. God allows those tests to test you. He won't test you with evil. That's the enemy. But he will allow circumstances in your life to test you to see where you're at. Right. To See if you really when life gets difficult and hard, when rubber meets the road, And life is tough. That's your test. What are you going to do? Right. What are you going to do with that test? The passage highlights how God allows certain nations to remain in the land to test Israel and reveal what was in their hearts. Right. In the same way, God permits challenges and trials in our lives to refine us. To expose our faith and to strengthen our dependence on Him, those were, those are the tests for. That's what the tests are for, right? They give us a heart check. They allow us to make a spiritual inventory of where we're at with God. Verse five says, "So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites." The Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Have you noticed that? If you look at it, they said Israel lived with these other nations. They were co mingling, they were involved in the culture of these nations. They compromised. They compromised against the Lord. And they took their daughters, verse 6 says, and they took their daughters, and their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. Look how far the new generation has come. God has equipped them. Moses gave them the law. Joshua told them, guys, if you want the blessings of God, you must be obedient to him. But yet, They commingled within this culture, within this time. Sin will always lead us to bondage and oppression, right? Israel's disobedience and idolatry resulted in their slavery to their enemies. This serves as a reminder that sin separates us from God. And can lead us into a state of bondage and oppression. It is crucial for us to recognize the consequences of sin and seek repentance for us as believers we need to do that god's grace and mercy is never ending never ending that doesn't mean you take advantage of it right if you're a parent you we love our kids so much we'll do anything for our kids But when we raise our kids and we give them everything they want, they become spoiled little kids. And those spoiled little kids grow up to become spoiled adults. This serves us as a great reminder that we need to separate sin from our lives. Verse 7 says this, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and served the Baals and Asherah. They forgot God. For those of us who know God and follow after him, we get into certain situations where we start forgetting what the Lord has done in our lives, right? We start to forget how he saved us and how he delivered us from darkness, from sin and death. We walk with Jesus. Everything's okay. Um, Our walk becomes religious, becomes routine. When we start forgetting what God has done in our lives, forget the good things that he's done for us we start to compromise in our walks. We start to compromise. Oh, that's just a little lie. Oh, that's just, I'm just watching that movie for entertainment. Oh, I'm just talking to that girl because she talked to me first. Oh, that guy was cute. He said hi to me. Whatever it is in your life, think about your life. Think about this week. Think about last week. What have you and I compromised in? I know what I've compromised in. Yet God is so good. He's there waiting, right? He's there waiting for us. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherah. So let me uh just go over a little bit about these posers, call themselves gods. They're no gods. Right? Baal was a Canaanite god associated with fertility, storms, and rain. So Baal was considered a powerful god, a deity, and worshiping him was believed to ensure that good harvest and um that your agriculture, that your your plant. Um, your animals would increase, right? So Asherah, on the other hand, was a Canaanite goddess associated with fertility, motherhood, and the nurturing aspect of nature. She was often depicted as a mother goddess and represented the divine feminine. So the worship of Baal in ancient Canaanite culture involved various rituals and practices, while the specific details may have varied across time and regions, here are some general aspects of the worship. So Israel had come into the promised land, conquered these nations, and all these nations had similar gods as these, but they were worshipped differently. So Baal worship, check this out, rituals and sacrifice. Baal worship often involve animal sacrifices to appease the deity and seek his favor Bulls were commonly used in these sacrifices, symbolizing fertility and abundance. So if they want the harvest of the crop, this is what they did. And if it still didn't happen, they would offer up their firstborns, their babies. They would say, oh, the bulls didn't do it. Well, let me give you a better sacrifice. This is what Israel got involved with Uh, they had sacred places. Baal was associated with high places such as hills, mountains. Temples of altars were built on these elevated sites for the worship of Baal. They instituted sacred prostitution. Some accounts suggest that the temple prostitution was, was practiced as part of Baal worship. It involved sexual acts performed within, near, within or near the temple with the belief that it would encourage the gods to provide fertility and blessings. Can you see how messed up this is? Not too far from what our culture is today. Actually, mm, I'm surprised God hasn't judged us already. Um, They had ceremonial offerings, offerings of food, wine, and other items were made to Baal. Right. These offerings were meant to demonstrate devotion and seek his favor. Can you see this? These false gods were competing against the one true God. And Israel knew the one true God, and yet they left the one true God to chase after these poser gods. Festivals and celebration. But our worship was often a couple. And this is like what we see today in entertainment. Festival and celebration, Baal worship was often accompanied by festive occasions and communal gatherings. These events involved music, dancing, and feasting, celebrating Baal's power and presence. You know, I love music, right? And when I came to know the Lord, all the past music, and now after coming to God and Hearing that type of music again, it's like you listen to the words like, man, this is not very holy. These are not holy lyrics or whatever your favorite song is. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. guys. It's hard to give up those idols of the past because they bring great memories to you or bad memories, which you think it's great. You know, we see it in today's culture. the our worship. What about the concerts? What about the raves that young people go to? What about uh, oh, and you're t- and I'm like, what about concerts? Concerts aren't that bad, really. Really check yourself on that. Concerts, if they're not for the Lord, they eventually lead to what? A little drinking, drinking some drugs. You want to feel better? I mean, you you notice those things, right? And what about, uh, okay, I might even bring it to my level. What about sports? I love sports. I love watching football. I love basketball. Well, ever since they went woke, I really don't love it that much. I'm watching it now because Denver's in it. Um, But those are being worshiped in stadiums. You know, there was a, I heard one story of a, a missionary went to India, right? missionary went to India and the India guy the India brother was showing him around and India has all these shrines of animals and different things and just like what we see in the Bible and the uh, and the christian from the you know from the state said man you guys have so many false gods you have so many idols and and the Christian from India goes, really? Well, what do you think what you guys do in your stadiums, in your football stadiums where you gather with thousands and thousands of people, or your concert stadiums where you go and gather with thousands and thousands of people? And the Christian guy from the United States was like, And when we really think about it, those are idols, right? We don't want to admit they're idols because we like those things, but they are a form of enslavement where it could take our hearts away from God. So that's just a little background of why God wanted to eradicate these people who were serving these idols because he knew what it was going to happen. He knew what it was going to do to Israel. Verse 8 says Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. So God gave Israel over to their sin, right? God will give you over to your sin. If that's what's in your heart and that's what you want to chase, God said, you know what, I'm here. But if you're pursuing those things, God will discipline his kids. As believers, we have to have a standard of holiness in our walks. We can't look like the world, guys. We can't. We can't show up on church on Sundays and Wednesdays and then just go live our lives the way that we want to live. It doesn't work like that. God expects us, empowers us with this Holy Spirit to live holy, righteous lives. And I'm not only challenging you that that this morning, I'm challenging myself of the things that I bring into my life. So in verse 9 it says, But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. So God raises up deliverers or judges in response to the cries of his people. God raised up this guy, Othniel. This demonstrates God's faithfulness in providing leaders and instruments of deliverance in times of need, right? So we can trust that God will raise up individuals to bring us out of our difficulties and lead us to freedom. And this also shows us that God can use anyone for his purpose. He can use anyone for his purpose. He used Othniel for his purpose. He used Samson. He used Ehud. He used Shamgar. These are flawed People just like you and I, they're nothing special without God. We were made in God's image. God loves us so much that he brought his son Jesus to die on the cross that we may have relation with him. Not just for us to follow rules and regulations and come to church. And pray and do, 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 do. He wants your heart. My heart. God can use anyone for his purpose, right? Anyone. You know, I think about the people of our church, how he's brought in people and how they've been used in our church. I think about Joseph. When I was reading this, Joseph is just a very nonchalant, you know, know uh, he's here. He's available. He's always doing something. When the church, when Pastor Ben or the church needs something done, he's always, always available. I'm not always available. Sometimes we could put God on the back burner of our lives And he becomes available when it's convenient for my life. Right? Is this getting deep? Because this is getting deep for me. So verse 10 says, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan rishathaim king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan rishathaim So we see that courage and obedience are crucial, and that each deliverer, Othniel displayed courage and obedience to God in fulfilling his role of being a deliverer for the Lord. God's deliverance brings peace and rest as we look at verse 11. So the land had rest for 40 years, then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So God's deliverance brings peace and rest. Those, through the faithfulness of Othniel and the other judges, God brought periods of peace. They were temporary, but they were peace because of the obedience and returning back to God. Um, He brought peace in the land. So God brought periods of peace and rest to the Israelites. This highlights God's desire to bring us into a place of peace and rest when we turn to him in repentance and seek his deliverance. So we see God's faithfulness. We see that God's faithfulness endures forever, right? Throughout the passages that we read, God's faithfulness is evident. He hears the cries of his people, raises up the deliverers, and fulfills his promise. Even though you and I will never keep our promise to God or our word or our holiness or our righteousness, always God is always faithful. He will keep his promise to you and I today, regardless of how you act. Okay, the reason why I wanted to start off with uh, John... Remember when we first uh, opened it up? What did we say about it? This story always leads us back to Jesus, right? And I'm going to give you some similar things. The Bible, this little story, Othniel, one of the judges that were chosen, leads us back to Jesus. In what we read, we saw sin and idolatry, right? Right? Just as the Israelites were trapped in a cycle of sin and idolatry, you and I, we too are like Israel. We find ourselves in bondage to sin, right? Our hearts are prone to wander, church. You and I, our hearts are prone to wander. We often prioritize worldly idols over our relationship with God. But here's the good news. Jesus, Came to rescue us from the grip of sin and idolatry. He lived a perfect, sinless life and offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins on the cross. Sin and idolatry paid for. We see faithfulness and courage in the story we just read. We said we saw Otneil displayed faithfulness and courage in the face of adversity through the trials and tribulations he went through. In the same way, Jesus demonstrated unwavering faithfulness and courage as he willingly went to the cross to redeem you and I, right? He was faithful and he was courageous. He endured the mocking that you and I should have taken. He endured the rejection, the unbelievable pain physically, spiritually he went through because he was separated from God, the father, Right, but Jesus remained steadfast in his mission to save all of humanity. Jesus' faithfulness and courage shows us how deep, how wide, how awesome His love is for us. Do you experience that love this morning? Have you experienced Jesus' love this morning? In Othio's story, we see deliverance and redemption. Right. Othniel brought physical deliverance to the Israelites, and it was temporary because Othniel died off, and then Israel went to the same pattern. They sinned against God, and God had to bring another judge to save them over and over again. Deliverance and redemption. Othniel brought physical deliverance to the Israelites, but Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus offers us spiritual deliverance and redemption. Through his death on the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sins. He paid it all, and he broke the chains that bound us. He delivered us from the power of sin and death, and he reconciled us with God. He's offering forgiveness and eternal life. Have you experienced that? What about dependence on God's power? We saw that Othniel relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and left in the Old Testament over these prophets, over the judges. But if you've given your heart to God, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and he died for you, the Holy Spirit has sealed you, Ephesians 1 tells us, until the day of redemption. Isn't that encouraging? Othniel relied on the power of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his mission. In the same way, Jesus relied on the power of the Holy Spirit through his earthly ministry while he was here on earth. It was through the power of the Spirit that Jesus performed the miracles, taught with authority, and ultimately triumphed over sin and death and his, at his resurrection. And then we see victory in the life of Othniel. We saw that Othniel had conquered and there was peace in the land for 40 years. Othniel's victory over the oppressor pointed to a temporary relief. It was temporary back then. But Jesus' victory on the cross is eternal and all-encompassing. Through his sacrificial death and resurrection, Jesus secured the ultimate victory over sin and death. And the powers of darkness. He offers freedom. Do you have freedom this morning? Church, are you free this morning because of what Jesus has done? If you're not, when we close, I'm going to invite you to come to freedom. His name is Jesus. Jesus offers us new life. Have you experienced that new life? For 30 years, I was lost in this world. January of 2000, I was invited to a church. I don't know what the pastor preached on. All I know is the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me and I was saved. And you couldn't tell me otherwise. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know anything about anything about being holy or righteous or living A life that's pleasing to God, all I know is that I was lost and God saved me. And everything else He accomplished after that. Do you have the new life this morning? And if you have been walking with God, how's your life going? Are you struggling? Has it become routine? Has it become religious? Have we left our first love? right? Like in Revelation? Have we left Jesus? And then Jesus gives us hope of eternity with him. That is the hope that people need. That is the hope this world needs. That's the hope that you and I need. Even after coming to God and him saving us, we need that hope because this life ain't it. As we reflect on Othniel's role as a deliverer and Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross, we recognize the profound parallels between the two, right? Othniel's faithfulness and courage foreshadow the faithfulness and courage displayed by our Lord and Savior Jesus on the cross. Just as Othniel brought temporary physical deliverance, Jesus offers us eternal spiritual deliverance and redemption. Church, may you and I find inspiration in both Othniel's And Jesus, as we embrace the truth that through Jesus' sacrificial love, we can experience the fullness of his deliverance, his redemption, and eternal life. Amen. As the worship team comes up, I'm going to go ahead and close out. If you're here this morning and you know God, would you do me a favor and just thank him as we go in this time? A prayer and worship. If you know hidden this morning, have a heart of gratitude. Right? Be thankful. God has gifted you and I if we confess Jesus as our Savior with the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You have access to all those. If you're here this morning, we have that power in us, the Holy Spirit, no matter what we're going through in life. Have a heart of gratitude and thank God. If you're here this morning and you don't know God and you want to have a relationship with God, just like in January of 2000, what I did, I'm simply going to express the same thing. If you want to be saved, you want Jesus to cleanse you and to forgive you and to bring you into his kingdom. I want you to simply pray this God, I'm lost without you. God, I desperately need you. God, I confess my sin. Confess that I do need a Savior. I confess your Son, Jesus. Please forgive me. Please grant the gift of your Holy Spirit in me. Please help me to walk with you. Thank you for this new life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I do come before you, God, and I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, as well as myself, that we would take these lessons that we've learned in the life of Othniel, and apply it to our own lives. God, help us not to chase or to go after false gods, idols. Lord, help us to recognize what those are in our lives, God. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, that he overcame death, sin. God, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, thank you that you walk with me that you go before me and that you order my ways, Lord. God, I pray that for myself as well as all my brothers and sisters who are here and all those who are listening, God. God, help us to live a life of loving you. Church, let, let that be your prayer this morning. If you've been walking with God, have a heart of gratitude. Just tell Him thank you for what He's done in in your life. God is here with us. Bring all your burdens, all your cares, all your concerns, all your worries, everything that's hindering you from experiencing His love, bring it to Him. Father, may your spirit just speak to each and every one of us. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love this week. Thank you, Father, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.